quiz. I won the quiz again. <laughs> no, not again. Oh yes, again. Yeah, yeah, you've won it twice. I've won it twice. Don't take it away from me. <laughs> I don't class one of them because I wasn't in it that whole time. Is that why? I think in my mind, yeah, I don't class you as winning that one. Because you were the person who put that quiz together and I won it. Yes. You're telling me that I wasn't actually the winner because if you had taken part in it... No, it just slipped my mind. You would have won. Is that what you're saying? I mean, I'd have won that one because I set the questions. Yeah, but, but not no, the standard no, music. So yeah. you're saying that if I take part in a quiz that you're not involved in, that I'm not actually the winner in your own mind because you could have been the winner. That's what you're saying, Mark. Boy, I've walked into this one, haven't I? Yeah. No, that's not the case. That, that's okay. clearly not my thoughts. Right. So I'm now the queen of quizzes. You are the queen. <laughs> Am I not tied with Danielle? Hasn't Danielle won? Danielle also has won one. Right, okay. So we're both the queen of, the queen of quizzes. Mm, yes. Yeah, and we've got another one tonight. I'm excited. So yeah, thanks Dave for putting the uh, the quiz together tonight. My powers are on the way and I've not won for three weeks. I know, so sad. I mean, I think I was fluking a lot of these things yeah, in, yeah. The, in the beginning. And uh, so, yeah. Um... Let's see what happens tonight. Mm. Mm. I mean, obviously we um, were quite tired today because it's been a long day of doing things to a banister because that's how far we've got into lockdown now that we're now stripping a banister, putting primer on it, and waiting to gloss it tomorrow. I don't even really know what primer is. Neither do I, but I saw it on YouTube that that's what you meant to do. I would genuinely, I would have just painted on top of the banister. But I'd probably have left it if I was. Yeah, (laughs) I just wouldn't have done anything to it. (laughs) I got someone else to do it. That would have been really good. Mm. But yeah, we've, um, we've had a fun day sorting out a banister and we, it's still not even done yet no and we've got a problem have we because we haven't got anything to clean the brushes with oh yeah I so about we're not that. actually going to be able to paint it oh no we're not are we because we've only got one brush left no we haven't got a brush left we've got a corner brush which isn't a brush it, we're not it, using it that brush. it is a brush we're not using that to paint the, no i mean no, we're not, but it is still a brush don't take it away it's from a me. specialist it's brush, a special brush. <laughs> right I'm, I'm gonna have to get some sort of what is it? Methylated spirits? I might, I might nip about. to B&Q tomorrow and get some. Yeah, that might be a lovely walk for you. Yeah, <laughs> get me out of the house. It'll, uh, it'll be lovely. Although the weather's be Oh, I can't believe... No, sorry, just let's, let's stop that. I'm not going to talk about the weather. I'm just about to go in there. Oh, the weather's been terrible. Week 12 and this week, is what's happened. Week 12? Week 13. quiz, banister and the weather. Should we just talk about television now? Should we now? just end the podcast here and just go out and uh, fl- flaunt some lockdown advice? I'm going to sell it now. What do you talk about on your podcast? Well, you know, it's, it's a slice of life. Oh. Not a particularly interesting life. It's a slice of life. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk television. Okay. Watching television, watching television. So, Mark, you've just finished watching something on Disney Plus and I'm going to ask you hang on hang on I'm going to ask you was it Artemis Fabulous or Artemis Fowl I've been working on that all evening I think we should see other people (laughs) how how are you going to see them where are you going to see them from that's a a very good point (laughs) what in B&Q yeah is that your plan that's my plan yeah (laughs) The woman who w- runs the burger van that's always outside being queues. Is it? I don't... 
Just there's like... always a bed fan outside of B&Q. Is that where you want to go? No, because it'll probably be closed at the minute. But oh. yeah, that is that is that is there is normally really? a burger van outside. Yeah, why? I think probably because they attract trade people. Oh, okay. And, and um, people who are travelling, who are on the job and probably need a quick thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a sweeping generalisation, and uh, well, yeah, yeah, but people who are travelling might need a burger. Yeah. <laughs> or men who want to get away from from, from their families <laughs> during <laughs> lockdown yeah. when being made to prime mm. a banister. Okay, so yeah, it's obviously <laughs> Artemis Fowl. Artemis Fowl, which is probably the big release of the week. So it's a Disney film. Mm-hmm. It was due for release in cinema. and It was going to be released. It was going to be released in cinema. It was due to be released in April. And Disney have taken a bath on this mm-hmm. and put it onto Disney+. Plus. I don't know anything about Artemis Fowl. I had not even heard of Artemis Fowl up until maybe a year ago when... <laughs> It was revealed that our one of our friends, Alison. Hi, Alison. Hi, Alison. Getting your weekly mensch. Um, he's a big fan of it. And named one of her cats. I didn't want to put that in, but uh, did you know? yeah. <laughs> Do you feel it's a, a... a bit, bit too much prying? But really? uh, well, anyway, yeah, yeah called Artemis. One of our cats is called Artemis. So you don't know anything about it. I didn't know anything about this, mm. other than it was a young adult novel, mm-hmm. and I think there's probably mixed history of these. The, sort of Harry Potter and Hunger Games at the good end, Maze Runner and Allegiant, was it, at the bad end? Oh, I thought, I was going to say it's the same, but it isn't, but yeah, I know what no, you mean, yeah. yeah. But and maybe the books are better than the mm. films, but yeah, I know what you mean. We haven't really run back to those ones, have we? But this is, I mean, this is relatively big budget. Um, it's Kenneth Branagh directing. Is it? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they had they had some faith in this when they set, started it. It's Branagh. Yeah. Okay, ca- carry on. I will tell yeah, you yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've not seen. I've not read any reviews of this, but I know uh-huh. it's getting a kick in. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I have not seen a film probably since Fantastic Four, where the studio has completely lost faith in this film. Anyone who's listened to more than one episode of this podcast will know that I have a thing about film length. I love a ninety-minute film. You cannot tell this origin story in 90 minutes, but they have a good go. <laughs> the problem is, it's just so rushed. And I think they've just tried to churn this out. There is a framing device which looks like it's been added on at a later date. And it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. None of the cast are... <laughs> Judy Dench is in this. Judy Dench is in it? I mean, she can act, I swear, I have seen yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, But she hasn't this year. Yeah. What? What's going on with Judy? Dame Judy is... Decided to, ju- you know what? I came, well, obviously, I was like tootling about mm. while you were watching this because I took one look at this and went, No way am I watching this. I'll yeah. do other things. And I took one look and went, Is that Judy Dench dressed as a fairy? Yeah. With an, a, an Irish fairy. With an Irish accent, <gasps> this side of Seamus McFly. It, and, and there's one bit that you played to me. <laughs> where she appears on screen and says this really stereotypical Irish phrase. Top of the morning. Yeah, but like, oh, it was just, it oh, wasn't it is, right. It is a phoned in performance. The problems don't stop there. Mm. The guy, the kid who they've got to play, Artemis Fowl, um, it, it's not big or clever to criticise a 16-year-old. Absolutely. But 
in this case, it's justified. He's okay. never been anything before. Right. The best thing I can see why he would have been cast is that he's Robert Shaw's grandson. Oh, is he? Yeah, okay. your favourite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He cannot carry this. It's, mm. it's school play acting at times. Mm. Um, the girl who plays the sort of second, the second lead in this... Is all right. She's a lot better, but she hasn't really got that much to do. There are characters that are introduced that clearly must be a big part of the novels that just come in and hand someone a sandwich and then are not seen again and don't have a line again for, for months. There's some fantastic people in this. Like where Every time I looked up, at one minute, there's Colin Farrell. Yep. Another minute, there's that guy, that the American guy that played Gaston's mate in Josh the Josh Gad. Thank you. Yep. Josh Gad. Like... Brilliant people in it, mm. and yet every time I looked at it, I just thought, "This looks like it looks beautiful, yeah. but it just feels terrible." I don't know. I don't know where the problem lies. Like mm. Kenneth Branagh is clearly a very talented filmmaker, Absolutely. and um, he's got a lot to do in this. So you've got to build this world, and the visuals for the most are quite quite impressive. Mm. Whoever's idea it was to edit this down to ninety minutes needs to be strucken from Hollywood. Um, strucken from strucken, Hollywood? Yeah. I'll do that again. No, no, don't. no. Leave it. I am. Leave it. I'm going I'm to start shouting like... Strucken I'm going to start shouting swear words so you need to edit oh, us all out. Okay, so do you think it's the... Um, do you think it's the studio rather than the talent? Well... So I went as far as to look up who the editor was because the editing is that bad. Like, there must be more than this on the cutting room floor. Mm. So I looked up who the editor was because the editing is just that bad. And the editor has one previous editing job, which is the cinema classic, Patrick. Oh, Patrick. I was like thinking, what's Patrick? But we see that all the time. It's got um, oh Adrian Edmondson and Jennifer Saunders' daughter. Yeah, BT Edmondson. BT Edmondson. And it's all about, is it about a dog? It's can... about a pug. Yeah. I mean, can I don't know. I don't know. I think he can say, I feel like it's all. It seems like there was a, a two months when it was always on Sky movies yeah, whenever we flicked over on... the channels. Mm-hmm. And... I this is one of the worst films I've ever seen. One of the worst films put I've ever seen put together. Let's try and build this up to have more films. I guarantee you oh, this no. will never be made. No, no. Yeah, this is this is one of the worst Why films I've ever you made. Carry on watching. You know when we're like because sitting. it's ninety minutes and right. like you, that's a very low investment. Okay. <laughs> Plus, I really wanted to see just how bad it was going to get. Uh, I don't think it's worth turning off a 90 minute film because by the time you realise just how bad this is going to be it's 30 minutes you're 30 minutes in I don't know about that I would have given up way before all that Um, more to do with my life I really wanted to pause it halfway through and text Alison to say you okay yeah yeah I'd be really interested I think check in on her Alison let us know how you're feeling about Artemis Fowl and I'm sorry (laughs) yeah yeah. so it won't won't, the books are still you know they're still there go about the books (sighs) yeah Hey, it might be a classic. We just might not be getting... Well, I'm not getting it at all because I saw two seconds of it. But, you know, we just might not be... It's not to my taste anyway. It's a one-star film. (laughs) So, what have you been watching? So, in a complete tonal shift, be prepared for the shift of tone here, everyone. (laughs) 
So, do you remember how last week we were talking about Macmillions? And yes. I was saying that I was really disappointed in it and that Tiger King had ruined all documentaries. And actually what I love is a bit of a, a true crime. And whilst Macmillions had some crime in it, it was more like financial, you know, it was fraud. And it wasn't really, really wasn't ticking any, any boxes for me. And you know, true crime is my favourite thing. Yes. So I found a documentary that really, really grabbed me and shook me and made me go, right, keep watching this, keep watching. And I consumed it all in about two days. Mm. I'm going to put a disclaimer in here because like, my legal background makes it so. Clearly, when you're dealing with true crime, you're dealing with people who have died and therefore families who are incredibly bereaved and have suffered a tragedy yeah so my i don't think you can treat these documentaries or so sometimes you get docudramas where it's Mm. a bit fiction but i don't think you can treat them as entertainment vehicles and i'm going to be really careful when i'm talking about this not to overly sensationalize and to treat it with a lightness i'm going to treat it quite respectfully or keep trying to treat it as respectfully as i as i can because this this is real this these are people's lives and we don't know what has what has occurred and we we're shown parts of a story but we weren't there and also you know people have have died so that's sort of my that's how i come to all true crime Mm. They are very interesting. I find them very interesting. It's probably my legal background as well. Although I never did any criminal law when I was training. Yeah. Um, and there's often a mystery element that is, you know, a puzzle element that I really enjoy. But you have to take it that someone has died and other people have had traumatic events. So I'm just going to put that there. Okay, yeah. So the show that I'm talking about was a Channel 4 documentary. So it's not, you know, often documentaries are now on Netflix or Sky documentaries, as we spoke about last week, an actual, just a whole TV channel of of documentaries. Absolutely. Um, So Channel 4, and it's called Murder in the Outback, The Falconio and Lee's Mystery. And I mentioned this to you the other day, the mystery of the disappearance of Peter Falconio and his girlfriend, Joanne Lees, who was um, left alive from the alleged incident. Mm. Um, And you didn't really remember anything about it, did you? A lot of these blend into one with me. And I think there were a number of... Um, the, like backpacker murders around that time. So I remember time one around well. Italy. I remember mm-hmm. one. So this is the early two thousands. So we would have been at uni, I think, when this occurred. It was two thousand one. Okay. So in our our last year, and actually, there's a Huddersfield connection because I think Joanne Lees, who is the person who survived this event, mm. um, went to was I think she was born in Huddersfield. So. I should know. I should know this. Mm. But... And I think they met in a nightclub. But her and her boyfriend Falconio met in a Huddersfield nightclub, which could be the nightclub that you. Because I know you worked in a. You worked in a nightclub. I worked in, in the nightclub in, in Huddersfield. The, so that it's probably probably it. So in the late nineties, they met. In the two thousands, they decide to go, um, on a big, sort of backpacking type 
holiday in inverted commas although it was a long period of time so they set off in november 2000 and um in the january of 2001 i think they'd already gone through nepal and singapore and malaysia and and those countries Hmm. and they'd ended up in australia in in early 2001 and actually stayed there on like a working visa for quite a while you can get like a yeah then in July 2001, they're travelling in the Northern Territory, which I've subsequently, you know me in geography, but I've subsequently discovered is really, really, when you talk about rural, you're talking about um, the bush and long roads with nothing on and very much like the outback. So they're travelling along that late at night and the story as she tells it is that they are flashed by a um, a van behind them so they're traveling along in their van and they you know they see the flashing behind them and a guy gets out and says there's something wrong with your lights or something of that you know makes the boyfriend get out of the car go to the back and then she says she gets in the driver's seat and she hears a bang and the next thing she knows the attacker has um made her put her hands behind her back has bound her um her arms together her like wrist together Mm. and he's put her into the back of the truck and she uh, manages to escape and she runs into into the bush and he then follows her and she says he he has a dog so he then follows her and she's out there for five hours but he doesn't find her and then she is later discovered by the road by some truck drivers some some hours later yeah. and uh, the van um was later found uh, but no um peter falconio was not found in the van there was some blood at the side of the road like a pool of blood in the side of the road but no blood spatter or anything like that uh, just a pool and um they they find her footprints going into the bush which actually isn't that far away so she said she ran and he he came and looked for her with the dog Mm. but actually when they look at it it's just sort of a bush just a just not that far away um and they find her footprints there and at the time they discover a speck of dna which cannot be attributed to her or peter falconio on the back of her t-shirt later on down the line a man called bradley murdoch his dna matches the dna found on the back of her t-shirt he was in the area at that time there is some cctv footage that could be him and she identifies him as the attacker this is a few years later okay so it looks like everything is sort of cut and dry but i remember at the time thinking there's something not quite right about this. And obviously, big disclaimer, I wasn't there. I don't know. But I remember at the time thinking there's something not quite right about this. But at the same time thinking, I've got to be careful here because this could be unconscious bias against women because we expect women to appear in a certain way. Hmm. Joanne Lees, when she appears on camera, when she's seen, when she's in the police interviews, which you can see in the documentary, is incredibly suspicious she acts incredibly defensively. She doesn't want to talk to the media. When she does talk to the media, she just talks about how her life's um, being ruined by the media. She doesn't talk about him 
or sort of make any pleas for for him to come back. She makes these very strange statements that I'm confident we're going to find the man who did this. I'm confident we're going to find Peter. And yet in her um, her police interviews, she, there are major inconsistencies in, in what she's saying. And things don't quite add up. It's only her tracks in the in the bush. There's no sign of a dog. There's no sign of the attacker's footprints. And if there was, as she says, sort of like a gunshot, there, there is no blood uh, spatter or, you know, anything like that. And there's a tiny bit of DNA on the back. And of course, you know, you can't convict on DNA evidence alone. And that's what this documentary is looking at. It's really taking another look at whether um, the the man that she identified as being the attacker was actually the person who perpetrated the crime and also looking at alternative things like whether Falconio faked his own death, which I think is fanciful. I think yeah. seeing the family and the distress that the family are in, I don't think anyone could, could do that. But the way this documentary puts it together, from particularly from a legal perspective, because that evidence is so circumstantial, a speck of DNA. Yes. You would expect her clothes to be full of DNA, wouldn't mm. you? You'd be, if he's taking her, binding her hands, binding her feet. The, the fact that she is so defend and you watch the police interviews... And there are things, it's just, something strikes you as there's just something not quite right. I mean, I know I've yabbered on about it forever there and you've been very polite while I've just been sat like giving you the whole thing of the story, but that's how interesting this this is. Okay, so obviously I think you don't want to go into major details. Mm. How much of a conclusion does the documentary come to? It, it doesn't, it doesn't. Everything mm. is very, it's a bit like making a murderer where they're presenting information to you mm. and as a lawyer I'm sat there going how is this person being convicted but obviously I haven't seen all the evidence and I wasn't on the on the jury the jury gave a unanimous um guilty verdict so there must have been something else that has occurred in here but mm. the interesting thing is to pick apart the evidence and also time has passed so we're looking at new new techniques is it balanced because I think mm. the one thing you can say about making a murderer mm-hmm. is it is very much from one side, mm. and I'm sure that if it was make it, making a police detective, mm. it would be a far, yeah, a, a very different documentary. There, there are voices that speak very strongly in Joanne Lee's defence. Um, mm. The police liaison officer is there saying, I believed her. The person who picked her up in the truck when she first said, oh, I've never seen anyone so scared. Mm. But but I think it is more towards mm. there is something not quite right here, and I think when unfortunately you don't you don't have a body. Yes. Um, there is always going to be a mystery, isn't and there? And twenty years later, now it's yeah. it's not yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. fresh or yeah. yeah yeah. And they've they've never discovered any anything else. And the the guy who was convicted has always said, "I did not. I did." And I, when you when you watch someone. Sort of, and I remember thinking at the time when this when this came out, he came out of that court. He was shaky. He was absolutely adamant. He said, "You know, I'm an awful person, but I did not do this." And I think it's looking at the behaviour of people that I find the most interesting. And yes, obviously, I'm not a behavioural absolutely. psychologist, but you know, you can look and think, "Why is someone behaving in that? Matter? How would I behave?" And of course, you would never know, mm. especially if you've been through a traumatic event. And people can lie 
very very well can't they so people who have murdered other people are probably very good liars and very oh, good yeah. at saying well i didn't do this because i don't want to spend the rest of my life in prison but i really if you if you love a true crime and i know there's people um who listen to this some of our mates who are really into their their true crime documentaries um if you like a true crime this is this is my my recommendation it got really pulled apart in the guardian okay. which i was really surprised about and i don't know whether they were feeling a bit like i did as you know here's a woman being pulled apart because of her the way that she's behaved hmm. but i think they go into more detail than just oh she behaved a bit dodgily they they look very they look in an analytical way about the words that she uses in the um the police interviews more so than just look oh look at her she's not crying which would be a rub you know that's that's not the way to do something no yeah they did meet in bizarre i've just looked at her really yeah oh god oh that's a bit chilling yeah it's a bit no. Mm. Right. Well, you weren't there at that because that was the early late nineties. Sorry, nineteen six. I think it was. Ninety five, ninety six. Yeah. It says, so, yeah. So yeah. Oh god. That's, yeah. This must have happened after I'd left Huddersfield because mm-hmm. I would have known about this. It must that's be. What I was thinking. When yeah. was it? Was it two thousand? Two thousand and one. I think they went to. I think they went to live in Brighton afterwards. Okay. Um, bit of yeah. Research I did I this yeah. Morning. I wonder if it's just a case of yeah. yeah it was just as I was leaving but i couldn't stop watching this well i know I you got through it really quickly like um i came down from work and every sort of five minutes mm-hmm. uh, and, and you were on to a new episode yeah. or cursing the fact that blake was crying and you couldn't <laughs> watch an episode <laughs> so yeah that's i'm gonna shut up now about true crime <laughs> what else have you been so watching? what sorry what channel is that on because i don't say that enough channel, channel four, four and yeah. you'd recommend people watch it absolutely um i've just got a couple of quick things just mm. before we go through to the godfather part three <gasps> So, so Killing Eve season three finished last week. Yeah, because you you were mixed. I was I was mixed all the way through. Mm. Um, I all the way through I've been sort of, couldn't put my finger on why this wasn't clicking for me. Mm-hmm. There's decent set pieces. There is really 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 good like good episode. There's yeah really good episode where um Villanelle goes back and visits her family, but. It just, I was never excited to watch it. I just couldn't be bothered with it. It was, I was discussing this with Neil and he sent me a link to an article, which I'll probably put put in the show notes. De- hi, uh, Neil. Yeah, hi, Neil. Uh, he doesn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> or if he does, he's about eight things behind. So we'll get this in like t- 10 months. We'll uh, get a... <laughs> um, so what did he send you? So he sent me a link to an article uh, on mm. Den of Geek, which okay. is... It ties up it perfectly. How Killing Eve season three abandoned its main character. Um, and who's it, who's its main character then? Eve you, has oh, Eve, absolutely right. nothing to do in this. Because oh, I would always thought Villanelle was the main character, but no, I don't think so. I think Villanelle is the most interesting character, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean you should base the narrative around her. Um, I mean, it's a lazy thing, but weird example but Seinfeld never based the narrative around Kramer who was the most interesting one quite often you get the, the big outlandish characters that people enjoy the show isn't based around them Will and Grace is another one that comes to mind where the most interesting characters are not the one that not Will or one of story. Grace. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and this is it there is absolutely nothing that for her to do on this uh she sits around she mopes she interacts with people who have a storyline but Eve doesn't really 
until bits happen to people around her, but it never goes on. And yeah, sorry, the shower. If anyone can hear, like, <laughs> rain, it's not rain. Don't worry, we've not had a flood. The shower's decided to, like, half turn on. So we carry on. Yeah. Um, stuff happens to people around her, but she's never really the one that it affects in any way. I finish this, and it finishes on quite a quite a poignant moment between two characters and the thing that I thought when when I saw that was that's fine I'm done there are still questions open okay and they're clearly building up to a season four but if that was the last ever episode I'd be happy you'd be happy or yeah you're just I, yeah done? because there is there is a, is a nice moment right which I am happy with which I would be happy if it was the last thing if it goes on mm-hmm. I wasn't interested having said that I have today found out who is the showrunner for season four. Who is it? Uh, it's the showrunner for Sex Education. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Which makes me want. Which yeah. make, it draw. It gives me yeah. a bit of interest in it, and it mm. really annoys me that. Yeah, that would annoy me as well. I think I'll probably end up giving it a few episodes yeah. and seeing what the reaction what is. is. Can we can we go watch Godfather now? Is this long? <laughs> I don't know. I think it'll feel long to you because you're a 90 minute and I don't think it's a 90 minute <laughs> I mean, does it have a story to tell such as Artemis Fowl? Oh, it's, it's, it's definitely better than Artemis. I mean, I saw two seconds of Artemis Fowl, but it's, de- I mean, it's better than, it's not a one star film. No, but I think the problem, yeah, okay. Let's go watch it because otherwise I'll be falling asleep. It's true. Right, Godfather Part 3. Oh. I betrayed my wife. I betrayed myself. I killed men. And I ordered men to be killed. I ordered the death of my brother. He injured me. I killed my mother's son. I killed my father's son. The ultimate story of family. Come at me as you will. And loyalty. Give up my daughter. Power. And violence. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. The Godfather, part three. When they come, they'll come at what you love. Dum 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 dum. There My favourite bit is where someone sings to that tune as well. Yeah, his own son sings the song to him. Bit on the nose, isn't it? A little bit on the. I mean, there are a number of things that are on the nose in The Godfather Part Three. Come on then. (laughs) I mean, I take it Sophia Coppola's had some work on the nose. (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it took. Do you feel she looks slightly different now? Yes, it took me. It took me about ten minutes to realise it was actually her. Oh right. Yeah. Isn't it just that she's just very young in this? I I believe her nose to be a different shape to how it is during. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that. No, no, no. Of course not. But. Right, I've not. No, was that the only thing that you noticed about Sofia Coppola? Because 
I think we we've had this conversation before before. Oh, actually, should we start with um, spoilers for The Godfather Part Three? Yeah, because like, it was nineteen ninety one. I think we've was it ninety one? Yeah, it was okay, 91. right. But yeah, going back to Sofia Coppola, mm. like before I even went on about Godfather Part Three and have you hadn't seen it and I'd really like you to see it because you know I love dodgy sequels. It's well known, it is a well-versed thing that Sofia Coppola's performance in this was panned. And whenever you say Godfather Part 3 to people, you tend to get, oh, Sofia Coppola, she's really bad in this. She, I mean, she's not very good. I don't think she's as bad as people say. I, I don't think she was standout bad. Mm-hmm. Um, she seemed like someone who was a little bit out of a depth for the people around her. Yeah. I'll, I'll say, I think Al Pacino at times goes into... A bit closer to 2020 Al Pacino than he does uh, 1972 Al Pacino. This is meant to be 1979. No, but the... Oh, when was the first you mean, one out? Like the first yeah. and second. Right, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. He's a little bit... Um, oh, what's that film he's in? Jack and Jill. I haven't seen that, but I, can't, I know what, you, what you're It's Adam Sandler mm-hmm. and Adam Sandler as Adam Sandler's sister. And yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. My reservations around this are a little bit to do with Al Pacino, actually, because I mm. feel he's quite far away from the Michael Corleone that we know. Absolutely. From part one and part two. How old is he when in this? He's meant to be fifty nine. How old is sorry? How old is and um? How old is Al Pacino when he's playing this? Unknown. Well, let's have a look. Because he didn't feel like the frail man he was clearly trying to portray. Because yeah, because in ninety five. 95 mm. is Heat, isn't it? Is Heat 95? Yeah. Yeah. Heat's 95, and he is nowhere near. As, like, he's not even frail in in Heat. Mm. He's strong. He's running up and down the place. You know, he's chasing after gunmen with a massive gun himself. Like, yeah. It feels a world away from, from this way. He seems to... I mean, I know he's... So been, this is 1990. Oh, is it 1990? Yeah, so he'd be 50 at Right, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so he went from this into... This is between Frankie and Johnny, and then Glenn. Ga- well, then Glenn Garney. Ugh. Glenn Garney. Glenn, Glenn Garney. Ross. Yes, thank you. There you go. <laughs> and then Scent of a Woman and stuff. Scent like of that. a Woman yeah. is straight after that. And I feel he's getting a bit hoo ha, yeah. isn't he? In this yeah. a little bit. When I'm watching it, I'm kind of like, rein it in. I'll rein it in. Yeah. It's Michael Corleone. So the person who actually impressed me the most in this, and I, um, is actually Talia Shire. Oh yes. I yeah. think... Playing Michael's sister, Connie. Connie. I would prefer... So, we'll get on oh wait, We'll get on to things. Mm-hmm. I would want... I want to see far more of Connie because she is almost a Lady Macbeth figure at times mm. of pulling the strings behind the thing. And I really want to see a lot more of her. I don't... In my mind, she doesn't have that much to do in the earlier films. So, it's so, really interesting that you pick up on this because everything that I love about... The Godfather series, mm. the building of the worlds, the characters, the interlinking of the plot and the narrative. Actually, the one thing that keeps drawing me back to it, and the one thing that I like to think about the most because I'm sad, mm. is Connie Corleone's story yeah. throughout the film. Because even though this is a, um, all of the films are predominantly based on the lives of the men in the mm. Corleone family, like Mama Corleone. Marlon Brando's missus gets nothing to do in the earlier films other than be the mother who yeah. sits in the background. But Connie has this fantastic arc going all the way through. In Godfather Part 1, she has 
um, a really awful relationship with her husband. Yes. She's, there's a huge um, amount of domestic violence going on in that relationship. It's actually, there's some really, like, I think they put warnings on them mm. now and trigger warnings on them because there are some awful scenes of domestic violence in that first film. You know, he... It, she is screaming for her life mm. and he is beating down doors to, to come in and and you can see the aftermath of that violence mm. on her. And Sonny has him off, does he not? I think Michael has him off okay. in the end yeah. in Godfather Part 1. Um, but Sonny takes vengeance on because he's meant to be Sonny's mate right. that he yeah. set her up with to mm. sort of keep everything sort of together. And Sonny goes and beats him up in, in the street and says, if you ever touch my sister again, I'll kill you. Yeah. But then in part two, that, that relationship obviously has ended because he's dead. She's mm. got two kids with him. But in part two, she's moved on to like, she's already got married to someone who we've not known, got divorced. She's about to marry someone else. I think his name is Merle. So he's like, he's like a, just like a pathetic bloke who's clearly just after her for the money. Yeah. She's also drinking a huge amount. She's, mm. she's in booze. And Michael says to her, like, you don't see your children come back into the family and mm. to, at the end of that film she does she comes back into the family and then you're right in this you sit she is pulling the strings behind the scenes she is orchestrating things and in the end mm. you know massive spoiler alert she gets to um really take part in in the murderous side of the corleone family yeah. in murdering her own godfather don antebello so I'll say one of the problems with this film is mm-hmm. and i just want to put this out there now and this might be a reflection on me more than anything else a lot of old Italian men look the same. It, it, I think if you haven't watched the earlier films over and over and over again, yeah, and you get a grasp of who the character, and obviously it's all they're all sort with Don, and so it's you know he's Don over here, Don Nantibello's over here, Don Tomasino's over there. It can be quite difficult to follow. I I get I get that. I, I'd say that's that's bad storytelling though because. You want you should take a film on its merits, and this is fifteen years after the second one. Mm-hmm. You, uh, whilst I know that the films are world famous and things like that, you must. I, th- I think it's a director's duty to be a, not have everyone have a photographic list of who is who and mm-hmm. that in, mm-hmm. in there. It, I mean, it's not my only problem with the film, but mm-hmm. I, I think that was at the end. I was like, right, hang on, who's he? Who's he? Why is he going up the stairs? Is he the guy that said he did? It would have to pay a favour to it. Yeah, okay, right, yeah, now I get it, it probably yeah. is. Yeah. Right, oh, he's the assassin, but yeah. I think because we don't spend a huge amount of time with those characters, mm. you don't get an opportunity to differentiate between them. But I found the same thing, even in part two, when I first watched part two, and all these people were being offed. Yeah. And the only thing that I could find, like, one had glasses on. Mm. And it was really difficult with the quick cuts to yes. put, go, well, who's he? Have we met him before? Mm. They are films that... And I, I say it in a positive way, but I can see why you're saying it like that. I I really enjoy watching them over and over again so I can pick up things that I haven't seen before. Okay, yeah, I can understand that. Having said that, it was a good five years between seeing Godfather 1 and Godfather 2. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I... And it's probably just about the same as it is mm-hmm. between these. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have that problem at all. I knew exactly where it was. And it set it. I think it set it up far better. Okay. Coppola... Coppola, Coppola. I never know. Yeah, I either. never know. We'll I just will, make it up. I will use both in this. Yes. <laughs> um Clearly, his audience and the world is very familiar with these films. So, you know, maybe it's just me not being as familiar with others. But 
I think you should be able to. You should be. You shouldn't have that. Mm-hmm. Have that limit mm-hmm. on you. Mm-hmm. I'll go over what I really liked. Yeah. Um. I really liked Andy Garcia. I think I forgot he was in it. I don't know that much that Andy Garcia is in. Do I? Apart from the Oceans films. Oh, is he? In, oh, he's, he's obviously he's slightly older in those. Of course. Well, he, he will is. be. Yeah. 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 He just he's like. He's just a little bit more hefty in yeah. those, I suppose. So I don't think of him as, but obviously in this, he's like this young, lithe man, you know. Mm. And I think that he obviously has a different story to Michael, but a similar rise up. He comes in from outside the family. Um, he is, as they say, he's a bastard. Mm. Uh, he's Sonny's illegitimate son. Mm. And then comes in to become the head of the Corleone family mm. at the end. I really enjoyed his performance. Early on, I thought he was going to do my head in because he's a little bit, oh, yeah. And I mm. thought it was a bit cliched, um, coming in off the rails. But it was good how that changed, wasn't it? So mm. at the beginning, he's a bit of a, he's a bit, I think, in, if it was Goodfellas, a bit of a wise guy. Yeah. And he, he had, you know, he was wearing the wrong clothes mm. and he just didn't quite seem to fit into the party he was going to. But then over time, Michael says, come and work with me and I think we're meant to and probably another problem with the film is this is meant to be over a period of time so he's meant to be being mentored by Michael and you Mm. can see him taking on all of those things do you know who's Oscar nominated? Okay that's interesting I I don't think that's out of the question I really, really like the contrast between him and him and Michael's story in the first, where they come from so far different but end up in the same point, becomes polar opposites and end up as the head of the family. That I thought that was brilliant. Like you say, I would have preferred more time with him rather than worrying about business deals for property portfolios and the politics of the Roman Catholic Church. But- it's a subplot that doesn't need to be there. And 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 kind of you could cut that out of it. And Do you so- not think that that re- that that the the mix of like politics and religion for me I find that absolutely fascinating and then you've got the mafia underneath it all as yeah, well yeah but if it's not in a Godfather film I think if Coppola yes, wants to film, mm? the re- religious um, iconography all the way through all of the Godfather iconography films. I don't need to know about the new Pope coming in and cleaning out the Catholic uh, cleaning out the, the Catholic Church but these were real events you know you know how the Godfather series always is always surrounding real life events. So um, we were talking about Cuba the other night and how part two, um, Michael is there when the revolution occurs. So it's always around real life events. But that was integrated into the, into the main plot that this, this, you could take out that and you would still have the rise of Vincent and Eric, then like Vincent plays no part in that whatsoever, apart from at the okay. end when he's tidying everything up. Well, I suppose it's not really about Vincent. It's about Michael becoming or legitimising the Corleone family yeah, by but... going into this huge international estate but I think, company. But I think that can be told in different ways. Right? Look, I was bored by it, okay. and you're not going to persuade me otherwise. Okay. Was there any pushback from the Catholic Church on this? Because they well, can be quite defensive about the... Well, you know why? Because this is a real scandal. The Vatican Bank scandal of the, okay. the early 80s. 81, right. 82, I think uh, it was. I wasn't aware of that, so, huge, yeah. Huge, huge scandal. And then also, that the Cardinal Lamberto, who, mm. that Michael speaks to, he confesses his sins to, who later becomes the Pope, mm. he chooses the name John Paul I, John Paul I was a real Pope, and he died, I think it was something like 33 days into his um, Popedom. Mm. Clearly, 
I don't think they're trying to say that he was put because in this film he's poisoned mm. because of the Vatican Bank scandal. Yeah. I think he died of old age in mm. in real life, but these are all real events, and I don't know where where else do you go? Where do you go once you've been through part two, where you're taking out all of the families? What do you just take out the families again? No, but I think there is. Well, they did. Yeah, but that wasn't him. That Michael didn't take out the families. He's trying to get away from the families. That's Don Antebello and and the others. Look, it, it didn't work for me, and okay. I was bored every time it was on. Okay. Um, the I think when they go to Sicily and in in the first Godfather, it was it was quite entertaining. There was something to do. This did remind me a bit of a Dolmio advert. I think it was it was all oh nice olive oil and things like that. It didn't entertain me. I, I thought the scenes in Sicily were were really beautiful and very well realised and and gave you a sense of of, of re, real life in Sicily at that time. It 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 didn't work for me, okay. and I I wanted more. There was too much. There was too much second act for me. Let me put it that way. Okay. Uh, and I think that's where this film is let down. Is the fact that we have we see the first act um, Vincent coming into the family, then we have two hours of Vincent remaining on a certain level within the family, along with business deals, and then the final act. I thought the the whole opera it all takes place around this opera, mm-hmm. uh, and I thought it was incredibly tense. Mm-hmm. You don't you're not entirely sure of Vincent's or I wasn't sure I was meant to know Vincent's um, motivations at the time. Mm-hmm. Has he turned? Is he a double agent? Is he a triple mm-hmm. agent? And things like that. Um, really good beginning, really good end, overly long middle, and I think like you know that I'm going to say two hours fifty is too yeah, long. Yeah. Um, I I don't. Th- I would prefer to take out the business dealings and put in maybe 20 minutes, take out 40 minutes of business dealings and put in 20 minutes of more of Vincent going from being the hothead to the business partner. So building him up, yeah. more, more scenes with, between him and Michael, although there are quite quite a few in there, but maybe more and more of the behind the scenes work that he's doing when he becomes a double agent yeah. on behalf of Michael. Michael because, sends him out. Yeah. We don't see any of that double agenting Not at all. at all. We just mm-hmm. see him go up and go, all right, and then, yeah. yeah. And then they lead him off into like, some sort of forest or something and say, oh, mm. you can be our friend and yeah. this is what you need. Yeah. And then he reports back to Michael a long time later as to yeah. what's happened and then that's it. Yeah. How did you feel about... Because if we're, we're praising Andy Garcia, which I think we should... Yeah. How did you feel about the relationship between Andy Garcia's character, Vincent, and um, Sofia Coppola's character, Mary? Because clearly this is a bit of a... It's a controversial thing to have mm. their first cousins. Clearly they've not grown up together. Yeah. But they do embark on a romantic relationship. I'd probably have stepped in a little bit before if I was Michael. Yeah, he just let it let it go on a little a little bit. But I mean, I, I've been looking this up today because I thought I know we're going to talk about this today, and I I don't know the legalities of it. But you are in the UK anyway. There is no um, there's no legal issue with you marrying yeah. your first cousin. Funnily enough, in America, many states um, it's prohibited prohibited. So. I don't know whether at that time it was allowed because Mm. they keep saying, oh, it's too dangerous, it's too dangerous. And I'm not sure whether they're saying it's dangerous because Vincent's involved in, you know, he's an 
is in the underworld. No, I took that as being, uh, yeah, yeah, the, 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 there's a, the physiological, the, yeah, the familial connect, yeah. f- connection, and the, mm. I think we know more now through science that there can be a higher rate of um, birth defects. I'm pretty sure that we would have known that in 1979. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't think that's... Yeah, I took that as... Did you take yeah, it as, yeah. that way? Because he's, he's not just saying it's dangerous, he's saying it's wrong as well. Yes, he's also... Yeah. And someone else um, also says, oh, Michael's very traditional. But it's, it's, I think it's a very odd plot device. I'm not sure that we needed... Yes. That. Clearly it gives... Vincent, some because Michael says to him at one point in time, they'll come after what you love. Mm. But yet, I was never really convinced by the relationship between the two of them. I didn't feel that it was. It all seemed to happen very quickly. Um, She's flirting with him at Mm. the family party. He, and then all of a sudden, first of all, I think it's possibly down to uh, Sophia Coppola's acting Mm. that it never quite seems quite right mm-hmm. i've got a question right go on what did robert deval do to piss <gasps> off everyone yeah well this is a do you not know about this no what, uh, what happened i get the feeling i might have heard of something at some it's point like one but... of those stories that that people quote so yeah so robert deval who plays tom hagan mm. um in part one and part two he is the i'm gonna get it wrong but it's the conciliary isn't it or like yes. the the um oh, what's the what's the word i'm looking for well he's a lawyer mm. but he's also what, the, what do they call it? Like the man at arms and the yeah, like, yeah, so like the, the his, person, your right right hand, your, your right hand man advisor, yes. like your your you're the family advisor. Mm. So he he has this very special role, and then in this film, he's mm. dead. <laughs> so, Is that ever mentioned? <laughs> yes, I yeah. I missed that. Yeah. To, to be honest. So there's a young vicar who's a priest yes. in this because it's Roman Catholic, um, who. Is with my, who pops up quite a lot, yeah, and that's Tom Hagen's son Andrew, right? And at one point, Michael introduces him to the dodgy archbishop and says and he would says like to work. He'd in... love to work in the Vatican. Yeah. And two seconds Something. later, funnily mm. enough, he's working in the Vatican. But he also says, "Oh, you know, he's not involved in the family business. He has a true faith." Mm. And he said, "He's very pointed. He's very on the nose." He says, "His brother, um, my brother Tom, his father died before he was." Um, made into a priest. I can't remember the word for that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what happened was, yeah, Duval discovered that Pacino was being paid more than him, and okay. said that he would not appear in the film unless he had an equal salary to Pacino. Later on, he then said, "Look, it wasn't just that he was being paid twice mm. as much as me. He was being three, four times more than I was." And there's no, you know, if you're getting Pacino in for that, then I'm in for that. I think there's a difference in the roles. I think there is as well. And I mean, fair play, like Robert Duvall's clearly made his money, mm. and uh, can pick and choose. Exactly. He says he doesn't regret it because no. people ask him about it all the time, saying, "Do you regret you know coming back and fulfilling the story? You know, completing I mean, he, the story." He circle. did do kicking and screaming. I don't know that one. Uh, it's a Judd Apatow soccer comedy. So is his part just replaced with? Is it George? Is it George Hamilton? Hamilton? It's awful. George Hamilton just. He, he, does, he looks like he's in the wrong film. Yeah, yeah. He looks like he's sort of be, come in from some sort of TV series and there's just like. He probably has. He landed, literally probably yeah, has. He's just landed there. And he, mm. Yeah, he's meant to be the replacement lawyer, but he is just typical lawyer in this. Whereas at least Tom Hagen as a character 
he had been found by mm-hmm. um I was gonna call him Marlon Brando, Vito Corleone. Yeah. Um and had been brought in and was ad- the adopted brother. So mm-hmm. there was much more there to, to play with. I think it's a shame that he's the I think the the plot might have changed somewhat. Maybe there would have been more to the international immobiliary um business deal. Oh joy. <laughs> no, but I mean more to it, more to give you something to cling on to. Okay, yeah, possibly, possibly. I don't know, maybe not. Mm. Sounds like not. Mm. So I'm going to make a statement which might not make a lot of sense. Okay. How I feel about this film very much relies upon whether... Was this was this a planned sequel from the end of Godfather Part 2? Or was it, we've come up with a brilliant third chapter to this story and yeah. Yeah, so I don't know the, a huge amount about it, but mm. from what from what I know, Ford Coppola had got into some huge financial difficulties at that point in time. I think a film that he'd done before this, or a couple of films he'd done before this, had not gone well, mm. and he was in financial difficulties. The studio had wanted to do a, another sequel for many years, and to get himself out of the financial difficulties, he agreed to do it. Obviously, going coming back together with Mario Puzo, mm. I may have completely annihilated that surname, but yeah, yeah, it, coming back together to write the story. So it's the same people writing it, but thinking, mm. okay, this is not something we necessarily want to do, mm. but something we're going to do. He always says that he doesn't consider this to be a trilogy. He considers part one and part two to be this, the films, and this he calls an epilogue. Well, he would, wouldn't he? Mm. Um, because I find that I wish it didn't exist. Okay. Um, I I think it is a fine film by itself, but I see this very much as a Toy Story 4. Um, and Toy Story 4 is a fine film mm-hmm. and it is a better film than Onward mm-hmm. to use an example of a Pixar film but Toy Story 4 is a significant drop down from, you, I know you've not seen any of the films so I'm just trying to explain it Toy Story 4 is a significant drop down from what I see as a perfect trilogy of one, two, Toy Story 1, 2 and 3 whereas Onward at least I, I feel there's less sin, I feel it's it's less there's less cynicism surrounding it, mm. um, and Toy Story Four is a better film, but I respect Onward more for it. Uh, yeah. So, what did Coppola do in the eighties? Because I don't know anything. He went on to do after this. Would it be Dracula? Well, he did Apocalypse Now. Was that seventy? That's that seventies. So. And I'm not. I'm not looked this up yet. But I well, completely wrong. With so he did Godfather, the conversation, then Godfather Part Two, mm-hmm. then he did Apocalypse. Now I think there might be something in between. But uh, right, let's have a look. Okay. So yeah, Godfather, the conversation, Godfather Part Two, then Apocalypse Now. Was it seventy nine? Was alright. Apocalypse Now is seventy nine. Okay. Then one from the heart, The Outsiders, Rumblefish, The Cotton Club. Rumble? Peggy Sue Got Married, Gardens of Stone. I mean, none of these are films that shout out to me. Tucker, The Man in His Dream, and then Godfather Part 3. Yeah, I think that's the issue, isn't it? Yeah. There's a whole host of films we've not heard. Then Bram Stoker's Dracula. Then Jack. Have you seen that? Yes. uh, I've seen... No. No, I've seen Interview the Vampire. But you haven't seen Bram Stoker's Dracula? No, I don't think I have. Okay. 
<laughs> well, run Notes it. Notes in small book. Well, run it. Have you seen the conversation? Nope. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Good. Mm. Can I tell you what I love about this film? Yeah. It's not the film as a whole. It's parts of the film that really I find really emotional. The scene in the guard in the sort of the walled garden with Cardinal Lamberto, as he is then, who is later to become the, the Pope. Pope. Between him and Michael, where it's the confession scene, where mm. Michael confesses his sins, you know, I've killed men, I've ordered men to be killed. And then he finally speaks the words that he killed his brother, you know, I killed my father's son, I killed my mother's son. Mm. I find that a really powerful scene. I think it's beautifully directed and I think it's just so quiet and calm and it's this unloading of this burden that he's had for such a long time. So Okay, I I think that is a really good scene. What I don't think was good was the diabetic attack which took place immediately prior to it. Do you not think that that's integral? So Michael has this it, he says, oh, under stress, under stress. Um, I have this, I've got diabetes. Can I have some orange juice? Can I have some candy? And they bring him some stuff and he, he sort of feels better. Cardinal Lamberto at that point says, the, when the mind is distressed, the body cries out. And I think that is so important because he's, he's getting the measure of the man that he's never met before. And he's seeing the pain that's inside him. I feel the entire... Michael is a diabetic and has a stroke and things was just a little bit too much. Oh, look, he's old, you know. He's... Mm, okay. Um, yeah. So I think if, if that was sort of by itself, but they had a big set piece in the middle of him having a stroke, being in hospital, missing the attack on Joey Zaza? Joey Zaza, well done. What did I call him before? Oh, something completely different. Like, before we, before we started recording... Mark was like just checking where we were in in the because we've watched the film over two nights, so Mark was like checking what was what had happened and we're sort of just catching up, and yeah, you I don't think you even got Joey, and you definitely didn't get Zaza, <laughs> but yeah, okay, uh, yeah, it was a little bit too much on the nose, okay. as was the final shot of and see I love the final shot of. Michael dying as an old man. He's in Don Tomasino's house. He's still in Sicily, and he's alone. And I think that's the the most powerful thing for me. Is the old. It's got one small dog that doesn't look like. I think there's two dogs though. Oh, I think you'll find there's you two dogs. You know what? After everything in this film, of course, the one thing you'll remember is how many dogs are in that final scene. You're not looking at him. You're not thinking, oh, he's alone. How brilliant is this thematically? You're looking at the dogs. There's a lot of false flags with the oranges as well, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, yeah. the oranges are part of the suit. They have to put them in, but... But someone pulls up an orange and it's almost like, eh? Eh? Yeah. Winks at the camera. So Okay. Okay, so... I think it's, it's, it's a very moody film, and I can understand why you got a lot from that. For me, I've obviously got far less relationship with the first two films... Yeah. I don't think this is a bad film by any stretch. Um, I agree. I, I, you know, it was up for seven Oscars. It was up for Best Picture. It was, you know, it. What? It's not a bad. I know there are many. I know you're yeah. looking at me. That I know there are many, many films that are terrible films that have been up for Oscars. But just, you know, I think people think it was a terrible film that was panned at the time. But I, I think it made something like two hundred million at the box office. And... I yeah. Uh, 
Uh, to be honest, the, I think that's kind of like a, a bit of a myth. Because I know far more people that said, actually, I quite enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It's not up to the other ones than I have heard say it's a really bad film. Okay. And yeah, that seems to be more the... The people who I speak to, anyway, mm. that seems to be their idea on Very it. Very reasonable. Mm. Very reasonable people, you know. Mm. What What would you give it? Go on. I would. I was. I would give it a a, a borderline high three four. Ooh. I think I would give it a four overall because I think the I yeah I would give it a four. It's a four star film, but that I wish didn't exist. Okay. I think that's very generous. Actually, I think it's very generous given everything that you've said. It's well made. It, it, it's it's. I think you should take something on on the face value. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I don't knock a star off Toy Story Four for being not as good as Toy Story Three. Yeah, I can still have feelings and wish it didn't exist. Than that, that feels really fair. Actually. <laughs> really, yeah. Really well, you're very I mean, it's it, it's as good as Inside man. Out. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I was really hoping you weren't going to go there. Remember, my, maybe my star rating is slightly different to your star I think rating. there must be, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for watching, because I, I can imagine that it probably wasn't majorly on your hit list at the moment. Hmm. Um, and we've had to spread it over two nights as well. <laughs> so. It was the point when you were feeding Blake and you turned around to me and goes, oh, crap, it's three hours. <laughs> I just looked at the top. I think there's an indictment of me, me feeding him and also looking at my phone going, just look up how long the Godfather is while I'm feeding him this food. But yeah, it, I, I didn't know it was that length, length of time. Mm. But yeah, sorry about that. No. So you you weren't sure when we had this conversation yesterday yeah. what you were going to bring out of the bag for date night next week. Have you made your decision? I have made a decision. Excellent, good. It's, it's going to be the film. Because I've had this in my back pocket for a little while for reasons Mm -hmm. and i don't think you've seen it so we might need to re-record this and just edit out this bit go for it (laughs) um but yeah it's a film which i've been waiting for something to come on uk tv and i was gonna do it two weeks ago and then um julie (laughs) uh, julie delphi persuaded me to do before sun sun, okay uh before sunrise not personally uh, well, just, just uh, appearing in the yeah, three just appearing in the Three Musketeers. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so I've been waiting for High Fidelity to come on UK TV. Oh, oh, what a tonal change! Yes. Have you seen it? No, no, Good. I have not. Right. I, I, I'm going to be really honest. Mm. I've probably seen like clips of it, yeah. and things, but yeah. I've never sat down to watch it, and mm. I know. Like I'm trying to think now. Do I know even the plotline? And I uh, is there's there's some kind of record shop. Yeah, yeah. Is uh, it Nick Hornby? It's Nick. It's a Nick Hornby book. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's the extent mm. of my knowledge. Okay. So you don't know what the what the plot is apart from a record shop. Nope. Okay. Do you know what else is in it? Do you know what's in it even? I want to say Jack Black. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say Cusack, but I mm. can't remember. Is is it what's why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> yeah, no, carry on. I, I, not well. There's Joan Cusack and then her famous brother. Yes. Is it John? Yeah, John. Yeah. Am I getting him confused? I'm get. You know what? I'm getting him confused with John Hanna. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Not John Hanna. John Cusack. John right. Hanna isn't in this. Right. John Cusack Sad is. Times. Okay. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> Let's finish there then. Yes. Thanks everyone. <laughs> for for listening and we will see you next week uh, with a bit of 
high fidelity and stuff off the telly. Yeah. Uh, sorry it's a bit late again this week. This is like forever now. I'm just going, it's going to be a bit late. It's going to be out tomorrow. <laughs> I'm really sorry. <laughs> Slightly delayed. Um, but yeah. The best bit is, I don't know the one you're putting these out, so I just only get the thing when people react to that. When people react to it, very sorry. We are, we are slightly delayed, but we'll try and get it out tomorrow afternoon. But yeah, yeah. thanks everyone for, for, for listening and for, um, for saying nice things about the podcast, particularly when we're slightly rambly and not... Like that. Yeah, yeah like that. <laughs> and Bye. <laughs>